Wellington had just secured his greatest victory over Napoleon at the Battle of Waterloo. Now he needed to get the news back to England so that his country would know that the threat of Napoleon had been taken care of. He goes to Brussels, he writes a letter, gives it to a man. The man leaves the Duke of Wellington Monday at about 1 o'clock in Brussels, rides 78 miles by horse, takes him about a day, just about 24 hours, till he gets to the coast. He gets on a boat to cross the English Channel. He gets a few miles into the channel and the wind dies down. And he's stuck, floating in the middle of the English Channel, hoping for a wind. He waits 24 hours, finally gets in a rowboat, rows the next 15 miles over to the British coast, then jumps in an equivalent of a taxi and arrives in London at 11.15 at night, shares with the, 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 uh, with the, the leaders in the government the news. He lays down before them one of Napoleon's eagles and says, Victory. From there, the news goes out by stagecoach to the rest of England. Four days-ish after, after Duke Wellington had, had won the victory. I'm pretty sure at, at that point in, in English history, the English wouldn't have minded if it was a week after the victory because they had won. Napoleon had been defeated. It was news that was going to not only change the way life was lived in England, but you can certainly see, after Napoleon had been advancing through Europe, how life was going to change now in Europe. Because shortly after that, Napoleon is sent into his second exile, and life changed. It was a message and a victory that changed everything. You could probably draw some parallels to Pearl Harbor. Right, and, and the day after that, President Roosevelt gives his, his Day of Infamy speech, which marks the entrance of the United States into World War II, a message that changed life drastically in the United States for the next five years, but a message that would change the course of history. Perhaps you might think in your mind messages that have been delivered from the Oval Office. Right? When, when President George W. Bush sat in the Oval Office and announced the war on terror after 9-11. A message that changed how you and I live as Americans. It, it changed, some could argue, how things worked in the world. My guess is, if you looked at how God chose to announce the birth of his son, a communications director would say, Lord, you are going about this all wrong. Right? He, he, he has, first of all, his son born to a, a poor carpenter and his wife in a tiny rural town in Israel. The way he chooses to make that known then, granted, it was by angel but by angel to shepherds. Shepherds who were on the lower rung of jobs in society. Right? You, a communications director would say, Lord, if you're going to announce this, and this, this birth is truly a message that is going to change things, you need to be in Jerusalem, 
I suppose today he'd say you have to be on all the social media platforms and you should be announcing it to, to the big papers, right? Announce it to the king. Announce it so that that word can go out to the ends of Israel for sure. But if it's truly a message that's important, get it out to the world now. And instead we see something completely different, don't we? Angels announcing to shepherds that a baby had been born. Now I suppose in today's world, if, if one of the royal families of, of Britain gives birth to a child, that will probably make news, right? If someone famous from Hollywood has a child, that will probably make, say, one news cycle. But beyond that, news of a child being born isn't really news, except to those closest. And so yet, you have God here saying, this is a birth that's going to change the world But it's announced to shepherds, and it's in a family that you wouldn't look twice at. In a town, you wouldn't think twice about. And the message that the angels have for a bunch of shepherds? Glory to God in the highest, on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Peace. The world hadn't seen peace since Adam and Eve. I mean, even when nations weren't warring, neighbors were still bickering, fight, spouses were still fighting, kids were still arguing, right? Children were still rebelling against their parents, parents were still yelling at their kids. Right? Even when nations weren't fighting against nation, you couldn't ever say the world was at peace. And yet the shepherds hear from the angels that because of a child born in Bethlehem, now suddenly there was going to be peace. That baby, born in Bethlehem, had the job of reconciling rebellious sinners to a holy God. That child born in Bethlehem had the job of taking a, a rebellious people, of sinners like you and me, who want nothing to do with what God has to say in his word, who have a part of us that likes to, to do things our own way, who scripture describes as being by nature hostile to God. That child had the job of restoring peace. I wouldn't say that's not only a tall order. That sounds downright impossible. And yet that's why God sent him, isn't it? God sent that Savior, Jesus, a, a Savior who fulfilled all the Old Testament promises God had given to him, who fulfilled and perfectly kept all of God's commands and laws, not only in what he did and what he said, but even in the, the thoughts and attitudes of his heart. Right? He, was, he was perfect. So that you could be at peace with God. So that you could experience something that the world hasn't seen since Adam and Eve. Real, lasting peace. 
Because what that child did is he came and lived perfectly in our place and then offered that perfect life as a sacrifice on the cross to forgive sin. Right? To take away that one thing in your life that keeps you from having a peaceful relationship with God. Sin. Right? So he comes and he, he removes sin from our life by living perfectly in our place, dying on the cross to take that sin away from us, and assuring us that now we have been reconciled to God, that we have peace with the Almighty God. Now my guess is there are times in your life, I'm even going to go say daily, where that peace is inevident. Right, where you'd look and, and you're experiencing a situation or, or something that's going on in life and you'd say, no, there isn't peace in my life. Because of arguments, because of relationships that are, are, are on, on seemingly the last string. Right, because of people's attitudes and their actions and the words they might speak to you, you'd say, no, I'm not at peace. And yet, the angels speak to you and say, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace. You have peace because God sent his son to take your sin away and to restore that peace between you and your heavenly father. It's a message that changes things, doesn't it? Because when I hear that, now I have an answer for all the guilt that piles up in my life. I have an answer for the devil when he whispers in my ear and brings up the guilt and, and the sins that, have been, that I've done in the past, the things that I, I just can't seem to shake. I've got an answer when I, I stumble and I give in and I, well, I destroy the peace that might exist in a relationship or in my family or with a coworker or in my neighborhood. I have an answer. God comes to me and he picks me up and he says, I forgive you. My son died to pay for your sins. I forgive you. You're still my child. I still love you. And when we hear those words from our Savior, we have peace, don't we? And when we hear those words spoken to us by our Savior, perhaps through your pastor, perhaps through a spouse, or even your child, when they tell you that you are forgiven, it changes how we interact with others right as I, as I take to heart those words from my god that he proclaims to me that i am at peace with my heavenly father because i am forgiven it makes me a little more forgiving towards those around me it helps me be a little more patient with those who might be trying to start a fight it helps me to be more peaceable in a world that searches and can't find, seem to find any peace at all. In fact, it means I have something to share, don't I? Because I have a peace that the world doesn't know about and the world can't figure out. I have something to share. Just like the angels had something to share with the shepherds that first Christmas night. A message that changes everything. A message of peace between God and man brought about by a baby born to a carpenter and his wife in a rural, tiny backwater town of Israel 
but a baby who was the Savior. The Savior who set aside his power and glory, who stepped on off of his throne in heaven so that he could step on a cross for you. Forgive your sin and give you a message that changes everything. Amen. Our Savior Lutheran Church is located on the south side of Birmingham off Highway 280. We are on Dunnett Valley Road, about three-quarters of a mile east of Treetop Family Adventure and Sports Blast. Our Sunday services begin at 1015 with Sunday School and Bible Class at 9 o'clock. We welcome visitors and hope to see you soon. For more information, please visit our website at OurSaviorBirmingham.com. Click on Sermons at the top of the page for a copy of today's service folder. You can also find us online on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.